Reading the Globe summarizes, synthesizes, and criticizes the week's most important and fascinating stories. Here's your host, Michael Washburn. This is Reading the Globe. It's February 16, 2022. I'm Michael Washburn, reporting from New York. Justice for Helena Matt Hutchins, the widower of cinematographer Helena Hutchins, still grieving over her fatal shooting on October 21 of last year, has moved ahead with a wrongful death lawsuit against Alec Baldwin and others involved with the film Rust. The news is welcome for people who have felt increasingly put off by Baldwin's odd mix of insouciance, self-pity, and a tendency to try to shift the blame to others on the set of a film of which Baldwin, as executive producer, was the master of all moving parts. As of press time, Baldwin had just returned to work on the UK set of a forthcoming movie. During the widely covered news conference on Tuesday, attorneys for Matt Hutchins made a number of points. The Los Angeles Times quotes attorney Brian Panish, stating, There are many people culpable, but Mr. Baldwin was the person holding the weapon. Panish also noted that long-standing industry protocol required a screen or protective gear to be in place to shield the crew during a sequence in which someone would draw a gun, but also that there was no need for Baldwin to draw the weapon in the first place since he and the crew were not even attempting to film a scene in the church, but simply to figure out camera angles and the placement of actors and crew in preparation for filming a scene. Of course, there were many other protocols and rules that have helped protect actors and crew on sets over the years, but that Baldwin was too high and mighty, or too parsimonious, to observe. The lawsuit on behalf of Matt Hutchins and his son is welcome. The same cannot be said for all the lawsuits filed since the shooting. On February 8 came the news that Sherilyn Schaefer, a medic summoned to the church immediately after the shooting, has filed a suit against several of the crew and against Rust Movie Productions LLC and Bonanza Creek Ranch, alleging that she has suffered trauma and emotional distress in the aftermath of the incident. As a medic, Schaefer's job, the role for which she has trained and prepared, is to respond to reports of injuries and potentially highly traumatic life-and-death scenarios. Blood and gore are part of the job. If she did not feel mentally prepared for or willing to face any exposure to such things, it is fair to ask whether she ought to have sought out a different line of work. Schaefer's reaction to the tragedy is a bit like that of a fireman who files a lawsuit because he finds it a terrible injustice that he actually had to go near a fire in the course of his work. In our highly litigious society, perhaps it is only to be expected that a flurry of lawsuits will follow a tragedy such as this one, and that some will have more merit than others. When a terrible incident happens, there are legitimately aggrieved parties, and then there are people with a more marginal attachment who immediately see dollar signs in their mind's eye. Ditching the Vaccine Passport Amid mounting public frustration and COVID-19 wariness, not to mention the trucker protests that have convulsed Ottawa and made headlines around the world, Quebec's health minister, Christian Dubé, announced on Tuesday that the province will soon do away with the vaccine passports that have been necessary to shop and dine in public 
and have made life during the pandemic even more trying and difficult for millions of people. The Montreal Gazette quoted the health minister, saying that he has taken this step because it makes sense to do so now, given the COVID-19 numbers and the state of public health in the province, and not simply in response to political pressures. The elimination of the vaccine passport will unfold in increments, beginning with the nixing of the requirement to show the passport when entering liquor or cannabis stores, the Gazette's February 15 article explains. Then, you will no longer need it to go to church or to attend funerals. Finally, by March 14, the requirement will end completely, and people in Quebec will once again be able to enjoy bars, restaurants, movie theaters, and casinos without showing the passport. This sensible decision is a welcome reversal of the heavy-handed approach that Quebec has long followed to the detriment of its citizens' mental health. Depression and suicide during the long, dark winters were serious public health issues long before anyone had heard of COVID-19. In formulating a response to the virus, Quebec's health officials cannot be said always to have balanced the need to stop infection with the no less serious imperative of not fueling isolation, loneliness, alienation, and substance abuse among the people of Quebec. Premier Francois Legault, who did an about-face and abandoned his plans to slap fines on the unvaccinated almost as soon as he had announced the plans, is thankfully not the last public official to acknowledge this reality. Sorry, Rose. For fans of film star Rose McGowan and sympathizers with Me Too, it must be highly frustrating to learn that a federal judge has thrown out McGowan's lawsuit, alleging that Harvey Weinstein engaged in a pattern of behavior that crossed the line into racketeering in his efforts to keep her quiet about his unwanted sexual advances. According to an Associated Press story by Andrew Dalton on February 14, federal judge Otis D. Wright II tossed out the suit on a technicality noting that McGowan had failed to meet filing deadlines even though the court had extended the deadlines in an effort to accommodate her. Justice Wright dismissed the case with prejudice. McGowan will not have another opportunity to file it. The article reminds readers that McGowan originally filed a suit in Los Angeles in 2019, claiming that Weinstein has conspired with two attorneys and with an Israeli intelligence firm to besmirch McGowan's reputation and image as she planned to move ahead with charges of sexual misconduct against Weinstein in 2017. None of these developments mean that Weinstein is off the hook. The article reminds us that the 69-year-old is serving a 23-year sentence for his many heinous acts of rape and assault. If McGowan's legal team and her friends and fans try to blame the federal judge's ruling here on misogyny, they are just blowing wind and refusing to acknowledge that the accuser in this instance did not have her act together and that Harvey Weinstein is not getting away with anything. Put your money where your mouth is. Do progressives really wear masks and socially distance when they have any choice in the matter? Evan Simmon carries on his excellent coverage of the California political scene 
with a February 14 piece in the California Globe on the flouting of COVID-19 rules and protocols by members of the very political elite that has been so self-righteous about enforcing such rules. The article details how, at the Super Bowl, which took place at Sophie Stadium in Inglewood on Sunday, L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti was one of a number of public officials and celebrities captured on video as they freely ignored mask and social distancing protocols. Charlize Theron and Sean Penn also make notable appearances in the video, which has received more than 1.4 million views. Simmon notes that this Super Bowl is the second major public event in a row at which Garcetti has dispensed with the protocol that he and other high-minded progressives were all too eager and willing to foist on others. The first being a Rams 49ers game at the same stadium, where Garcetti, Governor Gavin Newsom, and San Francisco Mayor London Breed all appeared without masks. Governor Newsom's hypocrisy had already become a byword of the times after his widely decried appearance at the swanky French Laundry restaurant in Yountville, California, in defiance of the lockdown measures he had imposed on nearly everyone else in the state. Now, with his latest flouting of his own COVID-19 rules and protocols, Newsom seems ever more determined to affirm the stereotype of progressives as people who freely rely on the punitive power of the state to force others to live in ways they themselves would never consent to live. Written and read by Michael Washburn for Audio Hopper. production.